Hello and welcome back to the Noted Podcast with your favorite podcasters, uh, Carson Hilton, Riker Gordon, and your boy Brian Corzo. And the season has progressed to its halfway point, just about, where we're about to go to the All-Star Weekend. Uh, Super exciting and some awesome new faces that I'm really excited to see. Some absolute snubbage uh, that has occurred. Uh, Jared Allen... Um, and I think everybody's unanimous with that. Who is Chris Middleton? Just kidding. It was a joke. Fox <laughs> fans. It was a joke. It was a joke. Um, but all in all, I think we could all agree that we're very excited for this all-star break. And I'm also very excited to see how the rest of the season's going to, you know, look out. And, you know, as far as being a jazz fan, things are looking up, you know, now that everybody's getting back to a healthy status. Um, you know, things are, things are looking up for us and, you know, we got, a some interesting games ahead of us for February. And then obviously the jazz have always been a, you know, the best team in the league after the all-star break historically, except last season. But regardless, this is going to be exciting. And so we wanted to talk about what we thought the standings were going to be ending on when April comes uh and kind of uh take a look and see what we thought <laughs> you know compare them to what our first original guesses were uh to what they look like now you know halfway through the season so how how about we start us off with Riker you know i i know you've been stewing up some ideas over there well yeah i it's funny to look at standings right yeah. i think i'm completely wrong with uh what I predicted as far as yeah, I'm not I'm not very close. Um I guess do you just want me to start with the just go down my list then? Just Is that go down I'm... your list, man. Okay. Let's start with West. Uh I don't think the Suns are gonna move from the one spot. Um I think they got it in the bag. They've shown that even in tough stretches of their schedule they they're gonna win. They're very they're gonna clutch. win the games they're supposed to win. Uh, very number clutch two too. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think where the Warriors stand at number two, I think they've won enough games that even if they do struggle here and there, I think they'll keep their spot. Um, the Grizzlies are doing really well, and that's who I have in my number three spot. The reason being I have them in three is because the rest of their schedule isn't that hard. Um, I don't think they should have any problems keeping the pace that they're at. Uh, to my number four, I have the Jazz. I think it's kind of same goes for them. They had a really good start to the season, and They've hit the rough stretch and things are looking better. So they should be on pace to finish there. And then at five, I have the Nuggets. Right now, I think the Mavericks are at five. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I think I think the Nuggets, the schedule, they've, they've kind of had a rough first half of the schedule too. I think it'll lighten up a little bit for them, good enough to get the five. And then the Mavericks right below them. Then the, the Clippers after that. Um, this is kind of where things get shady for me. I'm like not 100% set on the 7 through 10 spot. Yeah. I think the Clippers have the best shot at it because I think they're the best coached team. And plus this trade that they just got is pretty nice for them. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I think they they could even, you know, exceed expectations, go higher. Um, but we'll see. Right below them, I have the Lakers. Um, they've, they've, not, they've still not been what they're supposed to be, but they have put together some decent games. Um, and there's been less Westbrook on the court, which has been beneficial Smart. to the team, which is funny enough that everyone saw that coming except for them. 
Yeah. Um, and then number nine, I have the T-Wolves. I think they're consistent enough. Cat's had a good enough season. He's staying healthy. I think if that still goes, <clears> they <throat> stay nine. And then sneaking into the 10, I have the Spurs. And the Spurs at 10 was really based off of a schedule thing for me as well. Um, they don't have too tough of a schedule. They do have some tough games in there, but it, like overall, it's not too bad. And I think yeah. that they're a well better team, a put together team better than the Blazers, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I would definitely have to agree with that just because I also yeah. feel like they have a lot more talent like mm-hmm. right now. Like Portland does have Dame, obviously. But I mean, around Dame, especially after losing Norman Powell, like that's a huge right. deal. And then you're also okay. losing out on defense with Rocco, and you're getting Bledsoe instead. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a yikes. But yeah, right. couldn't agree more. And I mean, you also have Popovich. Yeah, you know, fantastic. Can't get from him there. So no, what what was your biggest difference? Um, as far as like Western um, Conference from your previous prediction. Oh, I hate admitting this because it is kind of embarrassing. But I was kind of a believer in the Lakers before the season started. And so that's the biggest thing. I had them number one. Uh, and that's not even close. And it's okay. I can eat that. <laughs> it's embarrassing for me to say because I hate the Lakers and I put them there. The fact that they're not there, I'm not mad at all. <laughs> but uh, them and then I had the Grizzlies painfully low. Had them at nine. They've they've surprised everybody, I think. Yeah. Um, and then I have the Jazz at two. That's not too bad. I have the Suns at three. Um, Clippers at four. Nuggets at five, which I think is where I have them now. So that's probably the which, only thing that's the same. If Clippers were healthy with PG as well, like that sure. number's way higher. Yeah. With PG, yeah, absolutely. And then I had the Warriors at six, which is pretty wrong. Um, and then the Mavericks at seven. And I still have the Timberwolves at 10, so I guess that was kind of nice. I did pretty good there. but For sure. Nice. That's that's pretty good. I mean, kind of kind of a little wavy. I know I know mine and Carson's were almost identical um, mm-hmm. as far as like original predictions. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what your West is, Carson. Yeah, so I'll preface this by saying I'm a believer that I, – I can't remember where I heard this, but basically when you're like – 20 games in most of the time after that the standings don't change much and i think at this point i think the standing and i mean it showed with riker's list too like i think all of our lists are going to be roughly similar to what the standings are now just because mm-hmm. at this point we kind of know what teams are and aren't and you know what they're capable of yeah so my list is almost identical to riker's i have a few small changes phoenix is at one obviously uh golden state two i do think memphis is going to stay three They've been good against good teams, bad teams. They've just been really solid. Utah, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Utah catches Memphis. Um, but I I just – this is more so I think Memphis is super good rather than I don't think Utah has the chance, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, at five, I have Dallas. Six, I actually put the Clippers at six just because I think the – Robert Covington and um, Norman Powell trade was actually massive for them. I think that makes them significantly better. They're um, super underrated this year, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And it's hard because Ty Lu has said, I think recently, that he doesn't expect Kawhi to come back, but I don't think mm-hmm. we really know. But even without Th- Kawhi I mean, there's, and There's and even PG, talks they're, about they're PG solid. not even coming back this season either. Yeah, that's so. tough, but 
they that's still a good team even without those two guys, which says a lot to their front office. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe it'll is, be is like a. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say no, no, maybe no, go ahead, maybe it'll ahead. be like a situation where they just like see it out and like if they do really well in the playoffs, maybe they like, they will play Paul. You know, who knows? Yeah, that's all I want to we'll, say. We'll see. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, number seven is Denver. I can see Denver being higher, but they just are missing so many guys, and it's hard to come by wins when you're missing so many guys. Yeah. Number eight, Minnesota. Nine, <clears throat> Lakers. Ten is New Orleans. I don't think Portland stays ten, especially after giving up Norman Powell. That was no. like, there's there's just no way. Um, I could definitely see San Antonio going up there. I the reason I put New Orleans at ten instead of Portland was more so. Because they're they're neck and neck right now, and I was just like, I don't think Portland's winning very many. Games. A really so close race. Season. Can like, he shoot? Ten through <laughs> twelve. Yeah, it's it's funny though because I I had some things that were I mean I was very confident before the season that I had Suns as my number one seed. I was confident that they would be the best team in the West, and it looks like that's happening. I had Jazz at two, Clippers at three, which might have happened. Right. Kawhi's, time, if Kawhi's, Kawhi's original timeline that we were told actually happened rather than him just never coming back. I had, I had nuggets at four because before the season, I, I told you guys this, I was a big believer in Michael Porter Jr. I thought he would take a leap, but yeah, I'll he have took to hold a the leap L on that one. Backwards. Backwards. <laughs> yeah. okay. It's okay. We, we, we all take L's. We'll L's. <laughs> Num- number five was Dallas, which is about right. Six was Golden State. I was really... I wasn't sure about Golden State before the season. I, I said they could be anywhere between, like, the three seed and the ten seed. I had no idea. And they, they really exceeded my expectations so far. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I also uh, think a big thing about that is the fact yeah. that Draymond Green is kind of looking back to what he was, like prime Draymond. Mm-hmm. I think that's been really impressive. But Exactly. That too. One of the things I was very adamant about, and I'm glad that I'm right in, is I had the Lakers at seven in the play-in tournament. Looks like they're going to be even below that, which <laughs> makes me happy. Yeah, nice. nice. I had Portland at eight, which is, in hindsight, a little high. New Orleans Pelicans at nine. And this is probably the worst take I had, is I had Memphis at ten. I think I, I, yeah. I really over-evaluated uh, how much of an impact Jonas Valachunas had. I mean, he was very good for them. But I think I, I was very skeptical of the Steven Adams trade. I didn't think that made them better. But I, I guess I, I just underestimated how much internal growth would help them. Yeah. I, I almost yeah. feel like the what happened was that, like, because I, I feel like before, John Moran and Jonas shared the ball a lot, right? Jonas mm. is a shooter. He's a post player. You know, he likes to have the ball in his hands and make plays. And now it's like, you've given that mantle of responsibility all to John Morant. And what have we seen? He's become a better playmaker, better shooter, and now he's even scoring even more in the paint because Steven Mm -hmm. Adams understands his role, right? I'm here to just get boards, right? Play, open up lanes, get boards, and give the ball to my guys. And I feel like that's just, it almost helped John Morant become better than he already was. Yeah. And which like is no so, so lucky that that happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, I think another thing that, you know, that deserves the props are uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain. Yeah. They've really just stepped yeah. up. And they've that's, been that's... insane players for, for Memphis. 
Yeah. That's what I was going to say is it's everybody on Memphis took a step forward this year. Mm-hmm. Like there's no one that really um, got worse. Fell back, you know, yeah. and there's been injuries like, you know, Dylan Brooks still has hardly played all season, which is crazy. And they're still playing like this level of basketball. I mean, I, I knew that John Morant would be an all-star before the season. I wouldn't have said he would have been a starter. No chance. So oh, yeah, he's blown like, me even, away. even in that realm, like <clears throat> their star took a couple steps forward, not just one. Like they've, they've just, I don't know if it's uh, a belief in the team or if it's a coaching and training staff thing, but they, they really have knocked it out of the park. One last thing I want to say about Memphis is their coaching is super underrated. Yeah. He, he is a good coach. He's a good coach. You can he even makes, tell he makes men out of boys, coach. man. I, I just yeah I'm super I'm super high on him. In, yep. in my list, guys, for for the Western Conference, uh, I have Suns first, obviously, because me and Carson said it. You know, consistent clutch. That's what they're known. Deep. Uh, my number two spot, I actually have the Grizzlies. Now, I I wow. think that the Grizzlies really can take this number two spot, and partial why that would be important is because Draymond is still injured. And the amount of games that the Warriors have lost without Draymond there is actually significantly high. Plus, they're still doing a lot of experimenting with Clay Thompson and getting him back into, you know, the swing of things. Well, I feel like momentum is so heavy for the Grizzlies, you know, coming in. Um, I think that Warriors are not unbeatable, especially if they don't have Draymond playing. And I think they could lose a couple games. I think it'll be really close because right now it's like a 6 lost deficit against the Warriors from the Grizzlies. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think they can overtake that second spot, which would be really, really exciting, uh, in my opinion. So that'd be really cool. Um, in my number three spot, the Warriors, uh, just an incredible team. But as long as they can stay healthy, they'll be fine, right? Once they actually get Wiseman back and Clay Thompson's back in the swing of things, Draymond's healthy again, you know, that's number one defense again. Um, jazz number four let's hope they can just stay alive and keep kicking Uh, because i think if we can at least get home court advantage on one game that would be really nice um and i i put the nuggets there because uh on number five spot because uh i'm just that much of a believer in Jokic. he's that good and i mean it's not like the team's bad you know they still got morris Campazo, um and uh Barton, you know, who are all like incredible players, and we always know that they're like an incredible like playoff team. Um, <clears throat> which I think the Jazz Nuggets would be also the most favorable matchup for the Jazz. <laughs> so, um, I have the Mavs at six. I'm not super convinced of the Mavs. They seem to be like mm-hmm. really good, but then also really bad, just really like mediocre. But they can put enough wins. They have Luka Doncic. Cool, and I'm, I mean, Chris Stops has kind of taken a little bit of a step forward in the season, which is positive, but still think they're like, you know, piece away. Um, I also put the Clippers in seven because um, they are incredible and they're just going to get better. Uh, I mean, realistically, these standings are very close. Like even mm. if you even look at the Eastern Conference, it's uh, in the number 10 spot is just eight wins behind number one. So just keep that in mind too. Um, Wolves, I have at eight. Cats having an incredible season. Ants having an incredible season. They have a really bolstered defense, which is nice. 
Um, Lakers, I have at nine. Because uh, I just can't. They're not bad enough for me to put them at the 10, but I just don't feel like they are good enough to be put at the nine or the eight spot either. But positive signs in Austin Reeves. Um, I believe that's his name. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy's awesome, man. I, I think one thing that I really like is there's some like young guys, <laughs> the the two of them that are playing for the the Lakers are actually putting an insane amount of effort. And if they keep benching Westbrook, I think that could be nice too. Um, yeah. And then on my 10th spot, I also have the Spurs. Really love the Spurs. DeJounte, I think, could easily make uh, an injury substitution for the Western Conference All-Stars. Uh, he's averaging a triple-double, I believe, this season. So that's pretty amazing. So we'll see. Uh, I don't think it's going to be much. I mean, Lakers, Spurs could be interesting uh, for a playing game. So kind of excited about that. But, yeah, I think I think this could be really exciting. So I don't know. We'll see how, we'll see how it works out. Um, as far as differences uh, from my previous ranking that I made, um, I had the Lakers at four, which was pretty wrong. Mavs at five, Clippers at six, pretty close. Grizzlies at eight, Blazers at nine, and then OKC at 10. So a little weird. I think OKC is still trying to lose, and I guess I expect them to try to win a little bit more. But all in all, the, you know, I also expected Michael Porter Jr. to do something. <laughs> Um, this season and you know at least it's not worse now that he's injured right <laughs> he's not making his name worse but it's still a big contract but man i'm so excited to see the nuggets at full strength man it's just been so unlucky for him it's been a while but yeah i mean just imagine having a team with you know jamal murray luca or Jokic. so jamal Itch. murray Jokic. Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, um, and then like what Will Barton or Monte Morris. Right? Yeah, no, when they're when they're healthy, they're very such very a team. deep team. Yeah. Very deep. It's unfortunate because last year they had as good a shot as anyone. Before Absolutely. the Jamal Before Murray Jamal went out. Yeah, they're playing really well. It's uh so unfortunate. And I think it's just even more sad to me that like Jokic isn't getting the respect for like MVP because he's yeah. his efficiency, you know, like every part of that he's doing this season is incredible. So I, I don't know where the disrespect is. I will say that the respect to Joel Embiid is pretty granted though, because yeah, for sure the Sixers could be you know fighting for a top spot in the East right now. Uh, they've totally turned their season around, and if with the right trade. Maybe they can make something work too. Yes, sir. So, and that's without Ben. Imagine that. Imagine the Sixers getting to a top seed without Ben Simmons. It just shows how unimportant he is. And how important Joel Embiid is. Just, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. right. That's 100%. But we'll see what happens. We'll see. Yeah. What about, what about Eastern Conference for you guys? What's that looking like? Uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll go a little quicker on this one because um, if I compare my two, these are actually not as different as there's a couple out of there. But and number one, 
And this does not mean that I think they're the favorite to win the East, but I have the Heat. And it's based on their schedule because it's not very hard the rest of the season. And the rest of the East is pretty hard for the rest of the season. So the Heat are in second right now. And so for that reason, I have them overtaking the Bulls. They're not far back. But I have the Bulls in second. And then I have the Bucks third. I have the Cavs at four. I have the Nets at five. I have the Sixers at six. Have the Celtics at seven. Of the Hornets at eight, Raptors at nine, Wizards at ten. Solid list. What about you, Cars? Yeah, East is hard because between one and, and five, it's only two games. And four <laughs> yeah. games between one and, and <clears throat> six. Yeah. Um, they'll go down pretty quick. Um, I actually uh, believe in Milwaukee. I think they'll they'll end up taking the number one. I do believe in, in Miami. I think we'll stay at two. Chicago at three. Philly at four. Cleveland at five. I think Brooklyn stays six. Toronto, seven. Charlotte, eight. Uh, Boston, nine. And I agree that the, the Wizards overtake Atlanta. Not bad. I, so I guess my list is pretty different from your guys's. Uh, I have Bulls at number one. Um and I purely believe just because they've relatively been able to stay healthy and the clutch factor also wins a lot of games for you with having DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. And then they only get better once they get Caruso back or um, hopefully, you know, by the time the playoffs come that or Lonzo, jeez, uh, that Zoe can come back too. Um, Heat, the only reason I wouldn't put them at one, I think, is because of just their history of, like, issues with injuries, uh, which is very prevalent in that organization. But talent-wise, I definitely think they could be number one. Um, I actually put the the Cavs at number three. I think the confidence from getting, you know, an all-star selection with Darius Garland is going to be huge for him, and it's only going to rise him up. And then Jared is going to look to prove himself the second half of the season as well. So... I just think they're incredible, and I mean, with how close everything is, I I don't see why not, in my opinion. Bucks, I just feel like they had a really weird regular season, and they always do, but it doesn't matter because they're going to be great in the playoffs. So, like, I'm not worried about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all know the Bucks and what they can do. I I would easily even say they are the favorites to win on the Eastern Conference. They have the best, yeah. you know, one of the best Fair players enough. in the world. You know what else do you want? It's a great team, and everybody doubted them last year, and look what happened. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say Bucks at four, 76ers at five. I think a lot of this depends on trade and what they can make happen uh, with this trade deadline. Um, oh, Woj bomb just happened. Wait, really? Cavs are sending a package to the Pacers that includes Ricky Rubio's expiring contract and a lottery protected Whoa. 22. And first round pick, two second round picks. Oh, for Karis Levert. For Karis Levert. I like that. Oh, wow. That is I like huge. That a lot for... How did they convince. That is. How did they convince the Pacers to give up Karis Levert? It's, the, it's because the Pacers are selling, man. Holy crap. Cleveland wow. is definitely going to do very well. But I mean, but look at that. That is massive. That's a, that's a lottery protected 22 first round and two second round picks. So. With the Pacers looking to sell right now, you know what I mean? Like, for them to get picks, they don't want Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert, man. So, that's kind of crazy. And, I mean, I'm assuming at this point, Ricky Rubio is going to retire. 
And so they're just looking to offload the contract. He even said it himself. So, um, anyway, continuing. So a lot of that depends on the 76ers. Uh, I'm going to have the Raptors at number six. And guys, you know, I even said I would really believe in this Raptors team. And look what happened. They are playing incredible. They have an incredible young core. And finally, Fred VanVleet selected to be an all-star. So deserving. I just think this team could really make some surprises. With how close everything is, I think they definitely have the potential to be up there. Uh, I'm going to have the Nets at 7, purely because of injury. At full strength, that team is incredible. But I also feel like James Harden is kind of like not caring as much and knows that he'll probably move to another team later in the season. Plus, you have Kyrie only playing half your games. So, a lot of factors in there. Does that change their, like, threat level in the playoffs? No. Uh, it's another one of those buck situations. I just think regular season's a little difficult with all the injuries. We, all, we always know how prone, you know, Kevin Durant is to getting injured. So, uh, I'm going to put him at 7. Hornets, I'm going to put them at eight. They have been struggling with injury as well, um, specifically with Gordon Hayward. And so once they can get back to full strength, you know, they're not great, but I think they're they're doing pretty great. You know, enough to get an eight. Um, I just don't think that the Celtics or the Hawks are better than them right now, and that's why I would put them in there. Celtics at nine, I struggle to even want to put them on this list because of how much... You know, they just don't want to prove to anybody that they are relevant. <laughs> um, and then I'd put number 10 at the Hawks. And that's because out of all those teams in the bottom there, they have Trey Young. So True. Trey Young's really going to want to play in the playoffs. I think a lot more than, you know, Kuzma would want to or something like that. You know what I mean? I also feel like the Wizards have just had this total like 360. Yeah, they fell off real hard. From, um, I feel so hard. And I that that's like worrisome to me. Like I want to put them in that ten. I would rather see the Wizards play at that ten spot, to be frank. But with how inconsistent they've been, it's kinda of worrisome for me to even want to do that. Plus now there's even talk of like Bradley Beal wanting to trade. Finally. So Yeah. We'll see what happens. But um, I think that this could be this could be a time where you know maybe they make some noise, but I don't just I still don't think the Celtics or the Hawks are even making it, you know, to the actual playoff. So yeah. regardless, I think those will be some exciting games for the play-in in the Eastern Conference uh, more than it will be for the West. <laughs> Unless everybody just wants to watch the Lakers lose, then that's different. Yeah, for me, like the bottom half of the the East, like six through ten, and I well maybe I'll even say seven through ten because I think this top six have a good chance of being a decent team. But like, yeah, the beginning of the season, like the Eastern was the Eastern Conference was playing really well, and that like elite play has dropped significantly over the past month and a half. And and how how often do we hear? How, uh, how often do we hear people say, oh, look, well, the East is so good now and the West is terrible. Right. And look at the right. end of the season now. We're still playing Western right. teams a lot. And look at the look at the difference in standings, right? I, I just think yeah. that West is, the Western Conference is an example of consistency. And you take right. away, you know, January for the Jazz with all of, like, the COVID issues and the injuries, 
and we're still like an under 10 loss team right if you think about it like when we've had a full strength like yeah we lost one where we were at full strength uh in january so we've lost at most like 10 games at full strength while the other right. you know less not really relevant and we were just playing with our youth and we even won some of those games especially against the suns which i think was like really important so don't sleep on the jazz um i still don't think they're favorites to win in the west at all i think it's going to be really hard but i believe in any circumstance or situation it might be more beneficial for us to play the grizzlies um and i know that's crazy because john morant the thing is they are relatively still a very young team and we saw that even with like the star power like how incredibly talented they were before there was they lack some inexperience right and rudy gobert is probably the best person to match up against john morant in a defensive scheme um so we'll see how it goes but i mean i just also would i would much rather play a john morant than i would a chris paul or a steph or a steph curry you know what i mean because they have john morant yeah but then the Warriors have Draymond Green, Steph Curry. The Suns have Devin Booker, Chris Paul. You know what I mean? Like, just incredible players who are clutch. And I and I feel like the Grizzlies have a lot to prove this offseason. Uh, but they haven't proved well, it yet, right? It's, it's a been, very similar situation to the Jazz. They have a lot to prove. It's been said before with the Jazz, yeah. So I mean, it's just it's elite guard play that Jazz can't defend. It's yeah. elite guard play. It's all... Very true. The scary thing is that John Morant can shoot now. Uh, and that's that's right. the part that was really beneficial going against the Jazz last year is his efficiency, you know, from mid-range and behind was really bad. But he was really yeah. good at the rim. So I mean, you watched that Jazz series last year. Literally, like, Mike Conley guarding him, he goes under the screen every time because he knows mm -hmm. John Morant's going to drive. And if he shoots right. it, I'm going to let him shoot it. But now you can't let him do that. Yeah. And last, yeah. last like... He still averaged like somewhere in the thirty point range in that series last year without having a consistent three point shot. That's yeah. what's made John Morant so good. It's, is it's terrifying having more dynamic <laughs> offensive play. And that I, makes it really scary. I think I think it's interesting to bring up a point right now if we're gonna talk about the Jazz. So, uh, twenty nineteen playoffs, Jazz matchup against the Rockets in the playoffs, and there was a giraffe a giraffe. There was a drastic change of uh, of defensive play in that game in the in that series, and it didn't work until the third game. So like we, it was like the Jazz were down to no, they're down three zero. It was the fourth game, and then finally they were able to work the system that Quinn had wrote up. It was very weird. It was like Rubio would almost play sideways. Yeah, behind when James him. Harden, yeah, when James yeah. Harden would come up to try to keep the at the lanes, and then his like hands. No, it's trying. Yeah, I was like trying to get everybody to kind of like find the lanes and stay and that way Rudy could stay where he needed to stay to keep the yeah. room protected. And it wasn't working the first three games. Like we got smashed the first two and then the third one was like a little better and then we won the fourth game and it was done done in five. But this is I want to bring up this point because this is evidence that Quinn can change the way the team plays defense. And I I don't you a team in the NBA you don't want to lose, right? You you never want to lose, but there's all this con concussion protocol that left Donovan out for so long. Like, 
that time is good for his health, right? The yeah. Jazz definitely lost games that they shouldn't have lost and lost games that the fans didn't want them to lose. But I'm hoping that that time that he's had off helps him rest his ankle, his lower back, and help him look at things in a different light. Because it was against a short-manned Nets, but Donovan was nearly flawless. Like, yeah. really made a mistake. And like on 80, defense, 90, too, like, he played beautifully. And I'm hoping that this time, and maybe with Rudy, too, being off, I mean, he doesn't really have to work on much defensively, but maybe, like, looking at things from a different perspective, finding ways that he can help without totally having to abandon the spot. Like, I have a feeling this time for them to kind of soul search is good. And then you also have Quinn Snyder, who's been in the health and safety protocols. And uh, Alex Jensen... Uh, of course, they've 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 admitted it that it's it's a Zoom meeting before the game. Like the vision is still Quinn's, but yeah. Quinn can't sit there on the on the sideline and make in-game rotations, right? The the fact that he can sit back and watch the team and see them play two really good games, um, depleted in in the the Nuggets game. There's only Conley and Bogdanovich and Royce that were really main suitors for the team that played. And then this game against the Nets, which were down Rudy, essentially, and I think Jordan Clarkson didn't play as well. But that's a chance for them to kind of look at those games and be like, okay, these these are things that we do well when we're without these players. What can we do to make that adjustment with those players so that that's not a weakness and we can make that a strength? I, I'm hoping that this is Quinn's chance to say, okay, I can look at lineups for the playoffs and I can see how we can change our unique style of play to help match better with this team instead of just doing a one-size-fits-all type of plan i'm hoping yeah i think and i mean i don't know if you guys have noticed this too guess who hasn't played the last two games that we've won Gordon clarkson yeah so you know is there a jazz fan that doesn't love jordan i don't think think i can find one right everybody does we're very grateful to what he did last season but it is, it's also extremely evident. Look at the difference in minutes with Trent Forrest and how much better defensively we are. You know, like, I, I think it's really hard. Like, I'm, I'm really glad about our youth and how well they've been playing. Doak was actually really impressive to me and made some really, I don't, I don't know if you guys remember, he faked a layup and yeah. stepped through and went through. And I was like, oh my gosh, like he can do that. Like he's because usually big guys like that that are young, they're just trying to go for the slam dunk and everything, but he was trying to be smart. You know what I mean? Like, plays like that, he's much, he's literally like Rudy Gobert, but with like moon shoes or moon boots. You know what I mean? He's a little slower. Um, so true. <laughs> but, you know, get him conditioned and get him working hard. You know, he could be something good. And I mean, that's a good trade. After, after seeing a game like, one against the Nets, like the the value of Doak just went up substantially, and I think now we're able to actually get a pretty good you know trade where we can make some bigger moves. So I I think that this stretch of games has been really promising because if anything, it's increased the value of our young guys, uh, and either can bolster a trade opportunity, or now we just have some guys that can step up to the plate. Where if Mike Conley's injured, I can you know feel good that someone's going to be playing good defense. But yeah, hundred percent. I think tr- what we've been asking of Trent is to step up his game offensively and just like his mentality, you know, just to be more aggressive and like 
how many times have we seen Trent Forrest just go downhill and beat a defender, right? Which, like, before, he was not doing that. He would he would do a, a very similar things to what, um, I don't know if you watch BYU, Carson or Riker, but, I like, Seneca Knight uh, on, the, on the Cougars. Yeah, he's a player who's, like, really talented, but what happens is he takes the ball, cuts in, and does nothing with it and comes back out to make a pass. Like, it's just a wasted, right. wasted possession. And I feel like a lot of times Trent was doing that, where he was just looking for the pass because he didn't want to mess up. Well, now um, he's, like, well, looking this... to take some more risks. But I think... In... I, I just think the one thing he lacks is a three-point shot. Sure. Yeah, no argument for me there. Well, these are the intangibles of having a team like the Jazz, where you have three, three potential all-stars, two locks, right? is you have a guard that like Trent Forrest and obviously the reason he plays more than other guards that we've seen that have good ability to is the fact that he's obviously listening to what others are telling him. You know that a, ta- a player that is going to listen and do well with the with the orders he's given is the one who's going to earn more playing time. And so now you have you have your coaching staff but then you have Donovan who is efficient, scorer, knows how to move around defenses, knows how to get looks. And then you have Mike Conley, who's an undersized guard who still plays super great defense. So obviously he's got those two in his ear, allowing him to make changes to his game. Because you can see it. When he drives to the basket, it's like, well, Donovan does that exact same dash to the rim. Donovan knows how to finish a lot better than him, but it's still not It's not bad. Like he's, is it, is he's, he's at least he's beating confident. Maybe that's it. But I, I honestly think that's the benefit of having this Jazz team right now. And, and the fact that they were – Donovan was able to sit on the bench in the last few before he came back. And you were constantly seeing him talking with the players on the, – the guards on the floor and, and just trying to help. And I'm hoping that this time, like you said, like this is their chance to really take those values that other players have and different traits and see if they can apply it to their game. Yeah. I think another nice thing about this stretch of games is that it's proved that Hassan Whiteside is not a starting center in the league. No. Yeah. Um, like, how how evident is it having Doak start, you know, over over Hassan? But look at Hassan's, like, efficiency when he's, like, coming off the bench. It's just, like, it's, like, a different person. He doesn't have to try as hard, and he gets more excited because he's dunking on, like, you know, second unit guys and all he wants yeah. is to dunk on someone you know what i mean yep but he's getting beat out and it's just effort i think is like one thing that i have an issue with with hassan and rudy gay is that the effort that they put in is very minimal to while i feel like trent house or daniel or sorry trent forrest daniel house and especially eric pascal um have been putting in there's like the amount of spark and energy that they bring to a play like we can be down 15 but then eric pascal will just freaking drive to the rim and then just dunk over like three guys and then everything is different like the tone the tone has changed and it's set and i think having people like that on the team you know getting more minutes is so pivotal and crucial to give us energy and excitement to continue through a game because so famously the jazz just get absolutely like mentally blown out by teams and we saw it last year against the clippers right they're down 20 when they're actually only down five yeah or we just blow a 25 point lead in game six um after bojan has a (laughs) scores what like like seven or eight three-pointers in the first quarter um but that's that's the thing right we want people with like this kind of mentality, a dog mentality, and 
I just feel like we were able to see that a lot. And if anything, I should be grateful for the stretch because now I know that Quinn's going to give Eric more minutes. Finally. Yeah. Especially with Joe being out. How many times have we been like, take away Joe's minutes and give them to Eric? And I, like, this is not the way exactly. I wanted that to happen. Not the way we wanted it. And, you know, God bless Joe and men, hearts out to their family. Um, that's so terrible. And, like, I know a lot of us been wanting, like, you know, the Joe Ingles trade, but I, I think it realistically it's because he is the most valuable, right? Um, and what he's able to bring to the table. Totally unfortunate that this happened, but maybe he could come back healthy and, you know, in two years we'll see him again playing for the Jazz. You know, I'll still yeah. wrap my Joe Ingles jersey proudly. Oh, yeah. No matter what. Absolutely. Absolutely. The guy's a that legend. dude has, has given so much to the organization. <laughs> yep. But at the end of the day, it's it's uncertain what's going to happen. But I have a feeling that the Jazz, the Jazz really could be making a statement to everybody and just closing out the season well. It might not give us the, the position that we want, but I think it'll give us the confidence that we need. And that's the important part. So we can at least get mm-hmm. home court advantage in you know our first series. <clears throat> Which, again, like I said, I think it's better if we are not expected to win so kind of nice yep a little bit less pressure yeah but i think that's gonna be it all for today uh thank you so much for listening and uh, let us know what you guys think of our picks for you know the final standings or what you guys think Uh, i think it's gonna be a really exciting finish to the season and see where everybody ends up and uh, we'll see you next week go jazz Nice. On the